Hey, everybody, it's Steve Mathis. I'm proud to say that insulin for diabetes was invented right there in my home country of Canada. Same great country that brought us Ross, Rollerball Peterson, and, of course, Putin. It was a shocker to me to learn that, on the average, the same insulin in the United States that can be upwards of 10 times more expensive than the same product in Canada. The Prairie Insulin and Meds believes that taking care of your health shouldn't burden you financially. I think we all can agree on that. Uh, we've been able to team up with those guys to get Pulpamex customers an additional 10% off the already low Canadian prices on insulin and all other prescription medications. Check it out. Tell your family and friends. PrairieInsulin.com. Make sure you tell them Pulpamex sent you to get your discount. Thanks for listening, everybody. A Pulpamex Network production. Welcome to the Fly Racing Steve Mathis Show presented by Maxis Tires and Renthal on RacerXOnline.com. With your continued support of our sponsors, we have surpassed 1,500 podcasts delivered with over 15 million downloads. Click that Amazon banner on Pulp MX to help us out. Donate via Patreon if it suits you. As always, enrich your moto lifestyle by working with the sponsors who support us. Original Moto Podcast, featuring legends of the past, stars of today, season previews and race reviews, introspection, opinion, facts, and laughs. Here's your host, Steve Mathis. Welcome, everybody, to the Fly Racing Racer X Podcast, flyracing.com. 2020 and a half kinetic mesh is out. And uh, go check it out when you can at your uh, online favorite online retailer. And uh, they're running a special deal right now where if you buy a helmet, you're going to get uh, free goggles. And if you buy a gear set, you're getting free gloves and all of that. So the Fly Racing folks are trying to help you out in this weird time we're in right now. Uh, so flyracing.com for more information on that. And, uh, again, thank you to them for sponsoring this podcast. Thank you, Renthal, the undisputed global leader in manufacturing design since 1969. They've become notorious. For their relentless obsession to detail and quality through their commitment to produce the finest products on the market today, Kenny Roxon using the Fat Bar 36 to a couple of Supercross wins this season. A uh, fraction of a second, a few grams, a couple of millimeters. It all counts. Welcome to the winning world of Renthal. Maxis.com as well. MXSTs. I've got them on my Blue Crew right now. Mounted them up. Developed by Jeremy McGrath. Used by A-Ray. And uh, he topped Kiefer in the Western Raceway Challenge with a set of MXSTs also. Uh, thanks to those guys. Great mountain bike tires. Uh, UTV tires. So Maxis.com for more information on that. So I haven't talked to Ryan for a while. Ryan Clark. Great career as a privateer. Team Solitaire, of course, forever. And, uh, man, he had some really good results when you go through the Racer X vault. So looking forward to talking to Ryan about uh, the, the role he's played now in the managing the uh, Nuclear Blast Rockwall Yamaha team and uh, looking back on his career and everything else. So uh, please enjoy. Thanks again for the support for our sponsors. Thanks again to you people for listening. Hope you're doing well. Stay safe and uh, enjoy the podcast. And now, as promised, on the Fly Racing Racer X podcast, a long-time top privateer in the sport, team owner as well, and still around the pits now, managing the uh, Nuclear Blast Rockwell Yamaha squad. Uh, you've seen his name over the years. It's Ryan Clark. What's up, Ryan? How are you, man? I'm doing real well, man. Just um, just got home from work and hanging out with the kids and the family and doing a lot of walks around the neighborhood and social isolation with uh, the family. So yeah been good on good on that front getting to spend a lot of time at home 
Yeah, it's it's certainly really weird, especially for yourself, like a team manager. Like what what do you really do? Do you tell your guys to keep riding? Do you tell them to take time off? I think every team and every rider is in a different situation. Yeah, I mean, we have obviously a lot of flexibility in what you know we want to do because we're not you know mm-hmm. really we're kind of self managed, I guess. And, yep. Um, but uh, you know, Robbie Wageman's still been riding. Uh, just going out in the hills. We got him a 450 uh, about a month ago in hopes of doing some, some East Coast rounds, but obviously that's not looking like it's going to happen. Yeah. But uh, And then um, Hunter Slosser here in town still riding with Justin Buckley quite a bit. And so we're plugging away and trying to keep developing on the, the bike um, and just be ready when, race, when the gate does drop again. Yeah, and uh, who knows when that'll be for sure. Uh, it's bizarre. Um Hey, Wageman is a is a solid rider. A little underrated. Um, always, you know, I saw him in some LCQs, but he fights through. He puts it in there, or he, you know, he does pretty well. He's right around that bubble. He's almost like a young Ryan Clark, a little bit, right? Like just right there, right behind some of the factory guys. Um, I think. I mean, as far as looking at him, you know, comparing him to myself, like he's definitely a much more talented rider than I ever was. Like he's just so fluid and. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think uh, he's going to turn some heads. I mean, I know he already has with, with his, you know, some finishes this year. just hasn't had maybe the consistency that, that yep. we need him to have yet. Yep. But, yeah. I mean, for me, I see a lot of potential in Robbie. Like, not just to get to, you know, a level up or two levels up, but if, if he really commits himself to it, mm-hmm. uh, I think he could – he could really, uh, you know, make waves in the sport in the long term. Yeah, yeah, he's got he's got talent, man, for sure. He can ride a motorcycle. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, um, yeah and he's just a good kid too, which is yeah. uh, you know, one of the reasons that we we kind of wanted to work with him. Uh, mm-hmm. He's mellow and he's he's open to try different different things, and he's just a good kid, just fun to be around. Yeah, RJ works with us on the pulp fantasy side with the jerky stuff. So we we I, I talked to RJ a little bit here and there. So um, yeah, right in, interesting family. Um, so you're managing this thing. How many years is this for you now? Um, well, I mean, obviously I took a long break from when I retired yep. or quit, whatever you want to call it back in 2012. Um, and then 20, I want to say it was 2016. Um, we started back up, uh, with flight and racing and I helped, uh, that program mm-hmm. to bring, uh, Cole Thompson down and sort of, ended up with a little bit more responsibility than what I was trying to do at first. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, you know, when you get your name tied to something, you really want to see it not only succeed, but just not alienate people and not, yeah. you know, and just just be a good presence. So I, I tried to be as active as I could. I could see that long-term, that wasn't really uh, the place that I wanted to, to hang my hat. So I just figured I might as well do it again, you know, and – um and started up the race team the following season with Chris Elliott. And I mean, Chris is basically, he handles the management side as far as kind of a lot of the, the sponsorship mm-hmm. type of things, the marketing, the social media. And I pretty much focus on the riders, the bike development and, and that sort of thing. So it's been really, really good with him in that we both have, um, our strong suits that complement one another. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I think it's a really good foundation that we're building off of. And we're, we're both in it, you know, for the right reasons. And we've picked people up along the way that sort of fit in our, you know, our ideals, I guess, and yep. kind of see the, the long term 
and also just the benefit of being involved in a program like ours that isn't a factory team. Um, you have a lot of room to grow. You have the chance to be a really big part of it. So. You got a, you got a good base under you with the Yamaha, huh? It's a great bike. We struggled last year, as I think a lot of teams did, yep. with the new bike coming out. Um, and that was something that I was really hard on myself about, honestly. Um, we, we, it was frustrating. Um, it took us a while to figure it out. And, uh, but we did. Um, and, you know, I think we have a really good bike this year. Mm -hmm. um, I'd put it up against any of the, you know, not premier team bikes, but, uh, you know, the second level of, of team. Yeah. Um, really, really pumped. And I'm really proud of the guys of Eric Angelski and Colin Berg. And then obviously Graham Bruff doing the suspension. Like our chassis is amazing. Um, race tech helps us with the heads and, and we do some development down there on their dyno. And, uh, it's just been a really good, it's been a lot of fun putting the package together. That's where I really like geek out on it. I just yeah, I yeah. love building, <laughs> building a good motorcycle is right. so cool. And just seeing like the rider's face when you get it right. It's, it's cool. So you ran your own team forever, raced at team solitaire, of course. Um, that's super hard to do trying to race at the level you were at and run this team. I imagine, um, now you're not racing. What's it been like for you? Like, what do you think some of the big differences are between back then and now? And what are you better at now than you were then? Or what are you worse at now than you were back then? Do you think, can you, can you even put yourself back in the shoes of, of, I don't know how many years you ran solitaire for, but, and compare it to now. Yeah. I mean, I'm in a totally different place in my life now. So, mm -hmm. I mean, I, I hope, you know, I've learned a lot of lessons. I mean, I, uh, I made a lot of mistakes. I mean, as we all do when we're mm -hmm. young, you know, I mean, that's what life's about. It's like, you know, making a mistake and learning from it. Um, and it, sometimes it takes more than one time of making that mistake. But, um, I mean, it was tough to do it honestly back then. And it was too personal. Everything was yeah, too yeah. personal for me back then <laughs> because every, yeah. there was no such thing as like walking away at the end of the season with a profit. You know, like it was, it was a passion project and not to say it's not a passion project now, but it's like, it, it, I, I'm not relying upon it for income anymore. Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't take any money from the race team. I do it for fun. And, um, we get a budget now and we spend what we have to spend. And that's, that's how we set our budget. Whereas before it was like, you know, if, I mean, we had awesome riders you know back then as well like canary and we got him on the podium and that was mm -hmm. awesome but we spent a ton of money that we probably shouldn't have spent you know and didn't really have to spend and in the end it it kind of all caught up when the recession hit and people stopped paying their bills and it's just like you know i mean i'm not saying like that was not what the reason why my career went bad you know at kind of at that point i started trailing off uh -huh. um and it's not really the reason why I got divorced either, but all those, like all those things are just being so tied in together and intertwined. It was, yeah. it was kind of a, a recipe to, I'm not going to say to fail, but it wasn't a recipe for success. Fun, funny. You don't, yeah. It's tough to look. doesn't sound like you can look back on it that fondly. Like there's moments, but overall, right. You look back on it and you're like, uh, yeah. You're like, Oh boy, that was rough. Well, it's just hard because you see, as you get older and you look back, you see, you see your faults and that's, that's kind of tough to deal with. You know what I mean? You're like, when, when I was 25 or, you know, 26, when I was sort of in the, 
the bread and butter of my mm-hmm. career where I was, you know, I mean, I finished top 10 in 450 Supercross championship yeah. one year, yeah. which I mean, that's a huge accomplishment. And, but I, I'd never thought of that. I still thought at the end of that season, like, okay, it was a good season, but man, I'm not anywhere close to where I need to be, which I think is the mentality that you need to have. Right. I mean, yeah. you're trying to, everybody yeah. goes out there like trying to win, whether you're being realistic with yourself or not. But, um, it, it, I love my career and I don't, I, I'm so happy the journey I took. Um, I would have liked to have been more successful in racing. Uh, as I think probably every single rider you've ever talked to would have liked to win more, you know, mm-hmm. even, even the ones that won all the titles. Um, but overall it set me up really good for the rest of my life, um, to where I was able to have a really legitimate career outside of motorcycles like has nothing to do with the industry and that was sort of the promise i made myself when i okay when i stopped racing was that i'm never going to rely upon the motorcycle industry for a paycheck because it's just i did it all my life and it was such a hard you know it was such a difficult road i knew that if i got into something else that was more stable then when i could come back to it i could come back to it for fun sure and enjoy the really good parts and and the crappy parts too, because you know there's obviously some shitty parts to it. Yeah. Um, you know, there's uh, a lot of people that I think that are in it for maybe for the wrong reasons, and um, but I just try to be true to myself and try to be super honest and transparent with everybody from riders and mechanics, because like I mean, you know, when you got into being a mechanic, you probably thought I'm going to make so much money being when I get to the factory level, and I'm going to do this and that, and and you know, I try to be really upfront with mechanics when they come to me and like, Hey, you're going to make shit money <laughs> probably for a long time. Yeah. And the only way you're really going to make money is probably either if you just get super lucky and get a really generous rider that bonuses you out well and happens to be, you know, Ken Roxon level, or you get sort of out of the traveling dog and pony show and do something, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, something else in the industry that is, you know, maybe a little more lucrative, but I don't try to kill those dreams by any means because yeah. I really enjoyed my life and I definitely do it all over again, even though I didn't really have, I had no retirement, you know, when I, when I stopped, it was like, okay, now I need to build for my kids, for <laughs> yeah. my kids. Yeah. And now your life starts, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah um, kind of. No, you're, you're right. I, I've told the story a bunch on my, on my shows, like getting a job at Yamaha was like an amazing thing. And then I, I couldn't believe how little I was paid and how hard I was working. And I was like, wait, I'm a factory mechanic. Wait. This isn't that cool. Wait, <laughs> you know, right? So, and it's yeah. like seven days a week. Oh too. yeah, it's yeah. Not like you work, you know. Now I work five days hard, and they're like, "Oh man, we really need you to come in on the weekend." I'll be like, "Okay, you know, it'll be like a yeah. once in a while thing, yeah, yeah. or maybe." But it's just, I mean, you, there's no break, yeah. and I think it's not a bad thing. I'm not trying to portray it as like, but it gets exploited a little bit because people love it, right? If it was, you know, bagging groceries, it's like, hey, we want you to come in on Saturday and Sunday, you know, for a special event. Yeah. You're like, yeah, okay. Do I get paid more to do that? Like, no, no, I just, you know, the job seven days a week. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah. No, exactly. It it has to be. If you want to win, if you want to be competitive, you just, you can't stop. No, it's a, it's a, it's a giant treadmill and it never stops. And, you know, I was working for Red Dog, he got hurt and they weren't taking me to the races and I was on the weekends going to movies with my wife and hanging out. And I was like, wow, this is weird. This is kind of cool, though, but this is weird. You know, you don't yeah. really think about it that way until you get off this treadmill, right? Um, yeah, you're like, that's what a relationship's supposed yeah, to be Yeah, like. you're like, oh, shit. 
Uh, so you're in Phoenix now, still there? Yeah, I'm in yeah. Phoenix, just yeah. in Glendale, just on the outskirts, right by the stadium, actually, about yeah. 10 minutes from the stadium. What do you so, What do you do nowadays? Uh, so I got into construction, which I think uh, had a you know kind of a, a knack for a, a background. I always thought kind of being a writer, especially when when I grew up, you know, you, we were working on a lot of our own things, and um, so I mean, it was my crew growing up was like mostly Gio and Ivan Tedesco and they were a little younger than me. So they, mm-hmm. I was kind of the one that would always jump on the tractor. I was the one that would yeah. jump at the water truck, you know, and I just, I picked up all those skills, how to work on obviously small engines and, um, and just fix whatever needed to be fixed to get through. And so when I got into construction, all those things kind of, you know, like a jumping jack or a, a plate tamp would break down on the job, you know, just these small tools that we use every day, I would be like, Oh, here, I can fix that. And it just, kind of helped me kind of catch the eye of some of the higher ups quickly. Okay. And so I moved from being just a water truck driver. I got my CDL, um, you know, some a friend of mine offered me, you know, 20 bucks an hour. I was like, Oh, that's, you know, I mean, I can, I can do that for a little yeah. while. And see yeah. where so I jumped on that. And, um, after a couple of years, uh, I went from, I started working on a, a project that was building light rail here in Phoenix, kind okay. of central Phoenix. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, the general contractor is uh, was Stacy Whitbeck, which is a, a, a transit contractor, a rail contractor. That's pretty much all they build is light rail, streetcar related projects and bus rapid transit. So just infrastructure mm-hmm. transit projects. And um, I was kind of over the company that I was working for. And I thought, you know, maybe I'll try something different. So I put in my notice and then I went in to say thank you to the people from the general contractor because they were great to me. They always um, gave me like Christmas bonuses on that project when I wasn't even working for that company. And okay. So, um, so I, you know, I told them, Hey, I'm going to be leaving, go do something else, but thank you. And they're like, Hey, you want to interview with us? Um, so I did. And I ended up there and I've been there for over five years and just working on currently the Tempe streetcar, which is a project that builds right through downtown Tempe mill Avenue, okay. Arizona State yeah, yeah. University. Yeah. So, a really cool project it's really challenging as far as uh it's like every other construction project you could think of all wrapped into one so there's no shortage of things to learn <laughs> cool oh sounds good then uh is that tempe stadium still there where we used to race that's still yeah, there it's still it's still there oh my um, god that, and that was actually the first that's the first supercross i ever went to i think geo what? ivan and i yeah drove out uh in my f-150 and yeah, we it might not have been the first one, but it was one of the yeah, yeah. one of the first few I've ever been to. Oh wow! And we were we were down right down on Mill Avenue, walking around. And we were like, I think I had to be 15. I had my license, and for some reason, their parents let him drive out with me, and we were like <laughs> walking around Mill trying to get into bars. Oh shit! You know, um, I heard the gin gin blossoms playing. Oh yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, they're from they're from the there, day. right? Yeah. Yep. Um, so. do you have a bike still? Do you still ride? Do you? When's the last time you ride? Rode? Um. Robbie's the one that's made me start riding honestly. Oh really? Yeah, every time I go out there like the first couple times, he's like, "Oh, you didn't bring your gear." And he'd like he'd always razz me about it and um you know, it's kind of funny cuz like I always I want to ride. Like the thought of riding is fun. Okay. But the thought of, you know, crashing is really stupid. You know, to <laughs> me like, "Okay, well, what if I, you yeah. know." Yeah. But but whenever I go out there, he has a really cool, you know, private track and um i'll ride the you know the race bike with him i'll ride his you know the test bike 
and we'll just go have some fun and hit some jumps. And then my kids are getting into it a little bit, not too much, but um, I mean, my eight-year-old son, Declan, he idolizes, well, I mean, he loves all the riders that, that ride for the team, but he and Robbie have a really cool little relationship. And um, I mean, he loved Mitchell. He loved Zach Commons. He, he just, he's so into it. It's really cool to see him um, and how the riders treat him. So he's been, he rode out there last time with Robbie. And so the answer is, I mean, I have all the bikes for the race team. So I have access to ride bikes if I want to, but I don't have like a personal bike and I don't Mm -hmm. go riding a lot more. You know, if I go out to California to ride with Robbie, I'll, I'll definitely ride. It's fun. I enjoy it. I mean, I, I hit pretty much everything on the supercross track. Oh, okay. And I, I can still hit the whoops pretty well. Yeah. I'm tall, but I've got like, you know, two, three laps. And that's, uh, <laughs> and that's it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, what a, what a time to grow up in, uh, in New Mexico. Of course, you mentioned Gio and Ivan and Keith Johnson and Kevin, uh, obviously a little younger than you, uh, before you was, uh, Hodges, Travis Hodges. Um, I'm, I'm Isaiah Johnson. Uh, I'm sure I'm forgetting some guys. That was pretty cool. All you guys coming from a spot, you know, never really known for motocross, and you were, you know, sort of the ringleader, the heyday of that. That's that's pretty neat. Pretty neat time to be around there. It was a very unique situation, and I think it helped us all obviously develop to, you know, become the the level of riders that we were able to to reach. Mm-hmm. Um, and it it worked out really well because we all sort of paired off. With a, like we had a ne- not a nemesis, I guess they, that's like a <laughs> negative connotation, but we. A rival, our, a rival. Yeah, a rival there that we had to race against all the time and we had to be our best. So, unfortunately, our parents kind of screwed it up for us a little bit that we didn't ride all together as much as we, we should have. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if we would have all ridden together more, we would have all been better. But um, but obviously, I had Isaiah. Isaiah and I battled, I mean, from the time we were very young. Um, I want to say Gio and Keith and then uh, Ivan and Justin – were oh Buckaloo! Sort of I forgot like, about Buckaloo. Yeah, right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, and um, obviously, I mean, Buckaloo growing up was the most successful of all of us. Yeah, he was a, he was um, a bad dude as an amateur man. Holy smokes! Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he, I mean, the cool part about it, like with the team, is I've been able to to keep a lot of people involved, and you know, and uh, I'm sure it's more fun for me than it is for Justin. But like when you know, every year when the guys come here. Uh, for a week or two, I'll call Justin up and be like, hey, man, can you work with them? Can you? Um, so, like, Brees would ride with them quite mm-hmm. a bit last year. And and uh, so it's fun to have those connections still. And, and Justin's just an amazing human being. He's just a really good guy. Yeah. Uh, yeah, whenever I see I, him, I see him every now and then and always, always find time to talk to him. Good dude, always. Yeah, really nice. Yeah. He's super great and has an awesome family and just um, doing his thing here teaching. Right. And, uh, but yeah, I mean, it was a really cool dynamic that we were able to build. And just the fact that as many of us, you know, were able to quote unquote make it at this sport um, was pretty cool. Yeah. No, I always, uh, I always talk about Yamaha. So they support Justin for, you know, 10 years as an amateur, all this money, all these bikes, all these parts. He wins all these races. He gets hurt a little bit here and there. He wins a race for Yamaha Troy, uh, suffers an injury the next year, then gets fired. They give him like two years as a pro. That's it. I'm always like, yeah. I'm like, this is the kid that you know won everything as an amateur, won everywhere, and you're gonna give him two years, and that's it. That's it. He's a wash. 
And and even that in that two years he won he won a Supercross. Like I just shake my head sometimes, you know. Well, that's so. that part of the sport that I was referring to. You know, that's just like the ugly side of it. You mm-hmm. know, it's um, it's there. It's just like that that treadmill that you referred to. There's always the next guy yeah. coming up, and yeah. you know, I mean, who's to say what's right and wrong? I mean, you never know. Like you could, you know, I. I you could pluck a guy that's running sixth or seventh and put him on the best bike and he might be a podium guy yeah. or he yeah. might still be sixth or seventh. You just don't know how that person's going to react. It's more than just the motorcycle. It's, it's who you have around you. It's, it's the, obviously the mental side of it is just mm-hmm. so important. And that's the side of it that, you know, I think I was pretty good at, but I, I mean, just like everybody else, I was a much better practice rider than I was a racer, you know? Yeah. And and I could I could push my level so hard at practice, and then I would show up to the race, and I'd be like riding like ninety percent, you know, and mm-hmm. you know finishing well. But it's like I just could not get my mind to that level where I could push it on the edge for the whole twenty lap main event, even though I was physically capable of doing it and I had the talent to do it. I just had that mental you know hiccup that I couldn't get to that level. When do you get the D Marini ride? Is that 2000? Yeah, so I had a really good year in 99. 99. So backing up to yep. yeah, 98 I was on Cali Mexico and my bike was really bad. I mean, it was like <laughs> my, that Cali 125, I was riding well. I yeah. mean, I was riding really well. I think I was like top 5 or 6 in points when I got hurt at Daytona, but the bike was so bad that I I could barely jump the triples and, you know, I mean, obviously the triples were different back then. They're right out of turn, yeah, but, yeah. um, it, it was a struggle. And I was, a, I was a small kid. It wasn't like, I'm, you know, I'm 170 for most of my career, but early on I was just little, um, you know, I was like 130, 135 pounds or something like that. And, uh, it was, it was rough. Um, you know, on the Suzuki's in 96 and 97, I didn't know what I was doing, but, you know, mm-hmm. that's just everybody's learning curve back then because you didn't have all the facilities and stuff you do now. Uh, 98 was a pretty decent year, but at 98, I broke my arm in Daytona and, uh, I had a little falling out with my dad. Like he was really, he was a great supporter when I was young, but mm-hmm. as I started to find some success, it, it sort of went backwards. So, oh, really? Oh, wow. That's not usually the yeah, way it like, goes. Yeah, that's not usually the way it goes, right? But Well, be- because I was inconsistent. So I popped a, in my very first year, in my third ever race, I got eighth. So San Diego Supercross was my third ever Supercross, and I got eighth place in the main. Yeah. Um, and from that point on, that was sort of the bar. And if I didn't achieve that, it was like, you know. Yeah. So I, I spent the next two years just crashing, like breaking my wrist, my collarbone you know, just kind of flailing. And I think he just got frustrated. I did get that ride, which was cool, but then the bike was bad and that's, I didn't that, perform either. That's Paul Lindsay managed, yeah. right? Uh, yeah. Ducati, yeah. Ducati beer. Everyone got Ducati beer after Ducati the races. Beer. <laughs> the guy was like, yeah, we had cases of, I mean, like pallets of Ducati. <laughs> I was such a prude too. I wouldn't, I never drank alcohol till probably my mid twenties. Really? Did Was that, yeah. was factory Phil on the team that year? Factory Phil, um, Pedro. <laughs> what was it like I, being? Oh, what was it like being teammates with Factory Phil back then? <laughs> oh God, I'll tell you a story. This is uh, hilarious, man. I at Tampa that year mm-hmm. um, was my it was my 18th birthday, 
and we all went to Mons Venus. Oh, yeah. You know, and like, yeah. I, I mean, I was like, seriously, I mean, I'll get to that in a second, but uh, I was, uh, I was just such a young 18 year old. Yeah, you know, yeah. I only knew motocross. Mm-hmm. We were in New Mexico, like Ivan and Gio and Isaiah. I mean, we, we were good kids by, you know, uh, no, you know, normal standards. We weren't out partying. We were yeah. focused yeah, on yeah, that. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I mean, and these are my heroes, like Jeff Emig and Phil were tight. Right. So I got to meet these, you know, going to dinner with Jeff Emig and stuff. And so, anyway, they get me up on stage at Mons Venus, you know, and strippers <laughs> got my belt off around my neck, stripped me down to, like, my whitey tighties, you know, with a hole in the ass. Like, front of McGrath and, like, all my, you know, super yeah. heroes. Yeah, yeah. I was just, like, I was so embarrassed of it, but, you know, it's, it's a good memory now. So no, that that's awesome. Yeah, Phil, Phil's so cool. He was so cool back then. Just laid back, good looking dude. You know, could ride could ride really well. This Phil 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 had a whole package together back then. So yeah, and that was a. I mean, it was a fun season. I loved all the people on the team. I did like Mauricio Hernandez and and Paul and Ross Miles and Vallejo oh, yeah. and I. Kiwi, right? Kiwi was friends. in there. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So we had a really good time. I just. I mean, I the only time that I started doing well was when I switched to the 250. Yeah, I switched to the 250 in nationals just because I just I you know it, it, I'm sure I could have done better than I did, but it really wasn't a competitive bike. Yeah, it was kind of what really frustrated me was Vallejo got hurt at uh, I want to say like Bud's Creek or right before Bud's Creek, mm-hmm. and so his bike was in the truck and my bike blew up, so I had to ride his bike and it was like night and day better than mine. <laughs> and I'm just like, what the hell have yeah. I been riding all year? This thing is like like ten percent faster than my bike. Right. Crazy. So but um but yeah then uh off of that I got nothing in ninety nine and um after that Daytona thing my dad and I had a huge falling out. Yep. I I moved out. Um he basically told me and he was right. I mean I cannot fault him for this but he, he basically told me, man, you need to hang it up and go to college. Jeez. Um, wow. And uh, he's like, I'm not going to, you know, he's like, I'm, I'm done. I, I don't really want to be a part of this. So, uh, you know, being a young kid that knew everything, I'm like, yeah, screw you. I'm going to do it on my own. And and mm-hmm. it was sink or swim for me. Um, I had like literally, you know, maybe 800 bucks in my savings account. I moved in with my friend Dax Castron, who was a local rider that raced, you know, some of the nationals and stuff back then. Um, rented a room from him, started, just put my head down, went to the local dealership, RNS Kawasaki. Uh, Rick Alcon gave me two bikes to use, had a local guy do my engines, uh, that had some background with factory Honda road race back in the oh, day. Okay. Went out at Anaheim one, almost didn't make the night show because I crashed. <laughs> like had to come back from the LCQ to make, in, yeah. to make that night show. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, but was was good. I mean, I was good. I was riding good. Yeah. Had some bad luck, and then uh, I ended up winning the heat race. I think at Anaheim too. Nice. Uh, and I was battling for. And this is just out of your van. Antonio. This is just out of your this van. Was yeah. Out of my pickup truck with a, a fiberglass camper shell and a little tow behind trailer. Jeez. Um, I ended up like fourth at Dallas. Um, I should have been on the podium. It was like I could have taken Ping out in the last corner, and I regret it today. That would have been my <laughs> only podium. But, um, yeah, it was a good year. I think I finished maybe sixth in the points, but only three points out of third. 
or four points out of third, it was like Casey Johnson and Lytle and Isaiah Johnson and Brandis. It was like all of that year yeah, where it was yeah. like Billy, Billy Payne. Um, but I was right there. So I got that DeMarini ride for 2000 and uh, I proceeded to break my wrist like middle of December. Um, Ray DeMarini got diagnosed with cancer uh, before the season started. Yep. And it all just kind of never had real direction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Huh. Um, good group of guys. Good, but, good looking uh, bikes too. Good looking bikes and gear. Good, yeah. I mean, it was the semi was awesome. Everything was great, and I think it would have been, I think it would have been a really successful program had Ray been there to right kind of o- oversee or just give it some more direction. But um, that was. I, uh, I mean, same. Yeah, handlebar. They made handlebars. From a like the yeah, so, back company, well, yeah, made a little, made a little handlebars. Yeah, so I mean, and a lot of that was on me too. Obviously, I'm not using that as an excuse, but you know, our, our bikes were good. They weren't great. Um, I just it was kind of like that was the point in my career where I realized if I want it to be any better for me at the level I'm at, I'm probably going to have to do it myself because right. like I thought I get on a team, there's going to be testing, <laughs> we're going to have options. We're going to, you know, think you know, there's going to be, you know, and we could ride the Suzuki test track, which was awesome. And I stayed with Tyler Evans uh, quite a bit out in Canyon Lake. Uh-huh. And, uh, and so like, you know, I had some people around me that uh, to train with and ride with, and that was, that was awesome. And we could ride the Suzuki track, but I just, I don't know. I had some good rides. I mean, I had top fives. I had another fourth, a fifth, but, you know, and I finished decent from coming off of a broken wrist coming into the series, but mm-hmm. I just like, I mean, it was outdoors for me were, was horrible. I just, I sucked at outdoors, honestly, early <laughs> in my career. I was just a, a hot mess. I could not get out of my own head. I, and uh, it, later on, it came, came, came around. Out, yeah. just, uh, the beginning was just tragic, like, honestly. Yeah, when, when I think about you outdoors, I think about you on a Honda 450 doing pretty well. You know, by then, by that point, you know, but yeah, not yeah. when you look at your results in the vault on a 125, you're right. It was, yeah, it, they weren't all great. Um, yeah. I think I was supposed to work for you that year in 2000. For uh, KTM? No, for, uh, for D Marini. Oh that, God, I wish you would have. Yeah. I, uh, I was told I had the job and I was going to work for you and I drove all the way down to, um, uh, to California. And then, uh, the manager there back then, it was a Pacific Northwest guy, uh, yeah. would never call me back would never call me back after telling me to drive down to California. That sounds like par for the course. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that was much. part of my, part of my issue was my mechanic. And that, that was sort of a, a, a little bit of a recurring theme. I mean, I was my own mechanic at the beginning, yeah. so that was a problem. Yeah. But yeah, my mechanic was, um, he would disappear for days on end. Like he wouldn't show up <laughs> to test sessions. Like he was a total, you know, I mean, yeah. I, I don't know what yeah. he's doing now. And maybe, maybe he's know, fine or whatever. Right. Yeah. Maybe he's great. But to me, I just, I, he was a total tweaker. Honestly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like a uh, um, Hesperia tweaker. Like, yeah. just. I, and my bike blew up all the time. I was so pissed. It was I was sitting in a hotel room. In, I didn't know where the race shop was. This was before the internet and everything else. and I didn't Or before laptops. Like, I had no access to the internet. I didn't know where the race shop was. And the guy would not answer my call to tell me where to go to the race shop. And I just sat in a Motel 6 in Corona for like three or four days. And I'm like, I guess I'm not. I guess I don't have this job. I don't know. So luckily, Alan Brown got me the job at KTM. But yeah, it was a massive bummer. Do you remember? Do you remember? Uh, 
I told this story before on the on the pulp show and stuff. Joliet, I'm working for Kelly Smith. He's right behind you in the main event. He can't get by you. I put on the pit board Park Clark because I'm like, and I put it on front of you, right? And I'm just like, I'm trying to get in your head, Ryan. I'm trying to trying to freak you out. And then you just rode away from Kelly, like you just pulled away. And then after the race, you're I, like, you're like, I saw that. It made me it pissed me off. Thanks, man. Yeah, no, I mean now that you. Now that you mention it, I mean, it, I do have a big recollection of it. Yeah. Uh, I remember thinking that didn't work. That didn't work at all. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, that's funny. I mean, Joliet, that was, what, the only year they ran that? Yeah, um, that was it. Yeah, I think I got fifth. I think I got fifth there, maybe? Seventh. Says you got seventh. Okay. Yeah. Uh, okay. And uh, I remember thinking, like, that didn't work. It just it just rolled away from my rider. <laughs> so. well, you wanna, you, I'll, I'll add one more, one yeah. more level of I- irony to that story. Yeah. I... They offered me that KTM factory ride. Oh, really? I I decided just based on the fact that, well, mainly based on Ray Marini being there too. Yep. yep. He, he had called me personally and, and was like, you know, really complimentary and like basically told me, look, I believe in you. I know that, you know, you got a lot in there. Like yep. we're going to get it. We're going to get it figured out. And, you know, I, I, I'm with you for the long haul and blah, blah, blah. And then, you know, he obviously fell ill and was not able to mm-hmm. to be there. But um, KTM, I had a factory KTM offer, but Sal went to, you know, he went, he was overseas. I couldn't get a hold of him. Yeah. It was like three weeks. He like, gave me an offer. Was this after Donovan got hurt or before Donovan got hurt? No, this was before. Okay, was yeah, the yeah. The ride Donovan got. Right. Because I, I didn't take it. And, uh, I mean, who'd have known that, you know, I don't think that year the bikes were were great either, but the at least the engine was you know the yeah. engine was always yeah yeah they were good they they so we're gonna they were good at least get yourself out out of the gate right? yeah because so. Thane and Kelly got good starts a lot you know um, that right. year but um yeah so at the end of two thousand they they did they go one year were they one and done Demarine they were one and they were one and done they sold so the only thing I got out of that whole thing was I got a really nice set of Wilson golf clubs oh sweet uh, <laughs> yeah they sold the Wilson. So, I mean, Ray passed away, like, quickly. Did he? Yeah. You know? yeah. Yeah. It was like, I mean, don't quote me on the timeline, yeah. but I want to say from diagnosis to, to his passing was like six months or Jeez. maybe even less. Yeah, yeah. So, oh. I mean, he was obviously positioning himself to for his family to be taken care of. So, he sold interest in the team. So, partway through the season, we switched, you know, and it was like Wilson was part of the, the program. Um, and, yeah, I mean – they just there was no there was nothing there for me in 2001 right so is that that when you did your own thing that's when you started solitaire no uh 2001 i just rode out of a van okay just like the, the white van brigade man yeah, and, yeah um it was uh i'd ride both classes and i'm assuming you have the vault open but yeah i did both classes a lot and kind of my goal that year i mean obviously just making money just trying to yeah you know, make money where i could so i would I would pick and choose which main event I would ride hard in, right? <laughs> so I would I would make both mains pretty much all the time, but I knew I didn't have it in me to race them both. So if I felt like I was riding, you know, the the 250F well, I would focus on that. Um, if not, I would try and do as well as I could. But I mean, the money for the two the the 250 class, the premier class, I guess I'll call it, yeah, was a lot better. So yep. just to make it in was a couple grand. And then normally I would just focus on trying to do well on the yeah. the light bike or the keep it the app or yeah, J- whatever. JT is in the same boat. He made a bunch of those double mains and, and he would be like, well, 
I feel better on this bike tonight, so I'm going to try in that main or, or vice versa or whatever. Like it, it was right. different, different reasons, different reasons for, for trying it hard in one class or the other. Right. Um, yeah. I was just going, I, th- I, I was just going through I this the other double top. Ten. My goal on that year, hold on real quick. Yep. was just, I was trying to double top 10. So, oh yeah. I, I think I did like a, like a nine eleven or a nine twelve. I almost did it, but anyway, um, I didn't. So that's why part of me wanted to call you for this podcast. So out of the blue, I get a text from Dean Wilson saying, "When was the last guy? Who was the last guy to double main, double make the main double race double mains?" And yep. I, I'm like, uh, I'm like, I remember Tyson Hansel did it. They they stopped it. They they changed the rule in '07, I think '06 '07. Um, okay. And I was like, I was thinking of Hatzel. I knew you had done it, but I I knew you had done it before Hatzel. And he, we're going back and forth, and I'm like, he, I'm not. It's not JT. I, I'm like, I think it's Hatzel. And then Dean hits me back with, I think it was Ryan Clark. And I go, uh, I'm not sure because I remembered you doing it before Hatzel. But then I went back and looked in the vault, and damn it, Dino was right. 2004, you were the last guy I, that I can find that did the double classing. So that's Wait why the, that's how this whole podcast came about, Ryan. Dude, I'm going to print myself an award. I didn't even know. Yeah, I, I think. I can't think of anybody after you. I, I looked at a few guys that I thought did it, but couldn't find anybody. Yeah, I know. I mean, I know JT and I were the ones that were doing it and putting it in the main. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I mean, there was a lot of guys that were trying to do it, but. Yeah. 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 No, it's uh, I mean, pretty gnarly. Cool. That was, it was fun. I mean, it was a challenge. And like you, like he said, I mean, you, you really had to choose which one you were going to go out hard in. So, like, I, I want to say in Houston, I got a fifth in the lights main. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just, I mean, I didn't, I don't even think I wrote, I think I took off the gate, you know? Yeah, I yeah, was just, yeah. I was done. So. <laughs> yeah, you think about that, right? Like, that's so gnarly. Your heart rate's so high. You got about, what, 10 minutes? Maybe, right? You know, to but to rest up. So, all right. So, oh one, you're on your own again, privateer life. Yeah. So, oh one was a pretty good year. Uh, I think I was uh, I was number ninety one that year, and you know, I I stayed back east during the nationals. Um, Davey was helping me out a lot. I was staying. Davey Coombs. At, yeah. Uh, yeah yep. I was staying at the Racer X house there. Um, right by the Cracker Barrel and all that and riding at the tracks with Chad Stanner and just, just doing, you know, I had a good program and started coming together for me. My outdoor nationals, I was getting points every weekend or most of the weekends and um, just sort of built it up, uh, started, you know, getting better finishes, making a little bit more money, hitting up fair races, kind of figuring out like, yeah, yeah. I, can, I can actually, you know, prolong the real world or staying out of the real world for a little while. Um, and then I had the great idea that I was going to start the team. Right. Um, and I started it originally with a guy from Pennsylvania that had a dealership and, uh, it was like a 50, 50 thing. Um, I had all the contacts, mm-hmm. but he had a, fun, he had a fun mover, right. Yep. And he had a deal. So it was LCR racing. And I talked to Keith and Kevin Johnson and I think, oh man, I, I'm forgetting. I think it was just Keith, Kevin, and I mm-hmm. originally. Yeah, I can't remember. And, uh, yep. And uh, yeah, so we had the fun mover. We wrapped, you know, we wrapped it. We had graphics. We had posters. It's kind of a big thing, you know. And 
Like I got uh, Terry Baisley on board with it, with Fly, um, and it was cool. Yeah, so dude, you were we, one of the we were one of the original Fly athletes for sure. I don't think I wore the gear the first year, but I the second year I did. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, back when it was, you know, I mean, it was tough to wear, right? <laughs> <It> was, <laughs> yeah. It was a it's come a, come a long way, but I I just I really really love and respect Terry Baisley. Yeah. I mean, he, Good dude. Yeah. He, he always uh, had my back no matter what and uh, just consider him a, a mentor and someone that I really respect and look up to. And so it was, it was pretty awesome that he had faith in me to, to start that and to back it. Yeah. Um, and we had some good results, but then just for me, I mean, partnerships are just so tough. You know, if you're not bringing like equal to the table, it's just hard. It's any partnership's tough. I mean, relationships are tough, right? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I don't, uh, I definitely don't hold grudges or anything. I've forgiven all that. Like that was a shitty situation with the LCR deal. I just, I kind of found out I got fired from my own team. Like <laughs> when I, we, we had like a week break from, uh-huh. from the nationals and I was back home and like somebody called me. They're like, you got fired from LCR. I'm like, uh, it's my team. How do yeah. I get fired from yeah. it? Um, but that w- that was basically Team Solitaire. That's how Team Solitaire. Were you I, were you not gelling with Keith and Kevin though, or that was, that was fine? All that was cool. No, no. Keith no, and yeah, Kevin yeah. and okay. I were fine. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was just it uh, was just that guy. Right, that guy. guy. He was just a he was just a different personality. You know, I don't mm-hmm. know what his intentions exactly were. Yeah, you always got to wonder when people start a race team or try to do that. Like, what are, what are their intentions? You know, if it's to make money, you're in the wrong sport. Yeah. If it's anything but just to enjoy yourself, you're pretty much gonna fail because you will enjoy yourself and you will meet great people and you will have a lot of fun but you'll have access money. yeah you'll have access yeah. and all that you'll be you'll feel like you're you know in the sport or in the know but yeah at the end of the day you're losing money yeah i mean a lot of people do it to literally put the headset on you know what I yeah, mean? they yeah. want to like yeah. go home and tell people this is what i do like obviously you and i being around it realizing that it's not nearly as cool as it is on looks on tv it's a lot of work right you know right. we we know that that's that you know that's a that's a cool part of it but i mean for me it's always been obviously the end result and and that's where i mean i'll I'll circle back to chris elliott um who helps me with the program now where he sees the value in the other stuff and i see you know i always want to win you know what i mean i obviously i know we're not winning on the budget we have right now but yeah the ultimate goal is like hey dude we're gonna we're gonna pay whatever we have to to get more you know uh that next spot and chris is like well well we need to like put it in perspective is is getting fifth that much better than getting sixth is it worth that you know yeah yeah like the longevity of the team is the important thing to be able to build something over time sustain it grow it and then be in the position maybe it's 10 years from now where we're you know a a title contender team and maybe we never are i don't know it's just the journey i'm more about the the journey at this point and just enjoying that journey. So are you, are you writing for racer X at this point? How does the writing start? Because you've, you've always been really good at it. Your columns were funny. They were interesting. Well, how does that come about? You, does Davey say, Hey, write something up. Yeah. When I was staying there, uh, in West Virginia in Oh one, I was, you know, I mean, I was there at the racer X house every day and got, you know, I mean, I was good friends with Staley and, mm-hmm. and everyone there. And, um, I'd written some, you know, like reviews on stuff as far as like the, I can't even remember what it's called, like revolver with the, um, the revolver column where I did like one 
Um, and I just wrote some other random stuff for him and Davey yeah, and Brian yeah. were, were pumped on it. And they just, they said, Hey, if you want to write a column, just try it. Oh, that's and cool. So I did. Yeah. And that was like three years, three or four years, I think we're doing it. And yeah. I mean, Dave, Davey was just always really supportive and everything I did too. I mean, from, you know, and Rita as well. I mean, they supported my racing, you know, they helped me out beyond the magazine and just doing really cool stuff. I mean, I'm super appreciative for that. I think I was kind of a punk. Ass, no, I was never like a punk ass kid. No, you were never. I, I don't you think know, you were ever that I, way. Right. Yeah. But I didn't fully grasp, you know, what people I think sometimes are doing for me and in motor motorcycle racers, you know, and in general, it's like, we think we're doing something really important. We're not yeah. doing anything important. We're just riding dirt bikes. Which yeah. Is like fun, but it's, really the stupidest thing to get paid to do right like you're just you're so fortunate to be able to get paid to do something like that and uh you know you take it for granted when you don't realize like everybody else has to get up go to work clock in put yeah. time in do spreadsheets you know like right. inventory and just mop floors or whatever it is but you know you just you can't have that perspective that young in life but i just yep I, i'm so appreciative for guys like davy and Rita, um, you know, and Terry Baisley and all the people that helped me to get to, to just have the, the career that I was able to have. Uh, fly Racing, speaking of Fly Racing, one of the OG guy on the line, flyracing.com. Please check them out on the web. Uh, they got the latest and greatest for gear there. Blake Baggett, Justin Brayton, Zach Osborne among the guys wearing Fly Racing. 2020 and a half kinetic mesh out now. Uh, please grab it from you can uh, from your local online uh, guy or your dealer. And uh, flyracing.com for more information on that. Also, thanks to Renthal and Maxis on board with us. Renthal.com, Maxis tires used by Alex Ray, of course. Thanks to Racetech as well. Pulp 20 is the code to save. Racetech sponsoring the Nuclear Blast Rockwell Yamaha team that Ryan manages and um, also sponsoring this podcast and a big part of the Chaparral Honda team as well. Get your motor work done. Get some suspension work uh, done. Treat your bike nicely, and it'll dial you in. Uh, Pulp 20 is the code to save with Racetech.com. Uh, great guys down there. So thanks, Fly and Maxis and Renthal as well. Uh, Ryan will keep this, picking this up. Are you getting uh, – is this all Bobby J's Yamaha, or are you getting some stuff from Gara and Yamaha at this point? Are they supporting you no, a little was, bit? You know, I don't fully remember, but I I don't recall having much support, if any. I mean, it was Bobby J's, and then the, uh, the guy from Pennsylvania also had a dealership. So we were kind of just running through there, I believe. Uh-huh. And we were – you know, I mean, we were underfunded. I, I think our budget was like $30,000 that first year. Yeah. Like total. Yeah. So yeah. that for super, yeah. super cross and outdoors. So, I mean, you do the math. <laughs> yeah. Uh, really, right? It's like a $1,000 a rate. Yeah. That's crazy. Um, So the next year, do you start doing it on your own then? After you break away? So yeah, part, yeah. So partway through that year, I was dating this girl. You got fired? Um, fired from your own team? <laughs> got fired from my own team, and then I went to the next round, and I did really well because, like, just like when people put stuff on pit boards in front of me, like <laughs> yeah, yeah. Clark, Clark, or whatever, it pisses me off, and that's when I actually do well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I was pissed off, and I did really well the next weekend, and then um, I was dating this girl at the time, and I, you know we had been together for a long time, and um, I wanted to buy a truck. I didn't have a truck. I just had, but I had all the. I had all the sponsors, like all the relationships were mine. Mm-hmm. Right. So I called every single person. I'm like, Hey, this is what happened. I got fired from my team apparently, but you know, I mean, we're going to keep going. I don't know what the other riders are going to do. At that point I was the, the best rider of, of the three, as far as results. Yeah. So, um, I, my, my girlfriend's dad 
loaned me the money to buy the first team solitaire truck. Okay. It was on the side of the freeway uh, in Morgantown. Oh, okay. We found it, or it was on the way out to Mount Morris. Um, so I called him, and yeah, he wired me the money. I bought the truck, um, and uh, Langer's designed the Icon, um, and then eventually uh, Mark Blanchard tuned up the logo, and that was like the Team Solitaire Icon. So the Team Solitaire Icon, I don't know if you know what it looks like, but um, it was basically a New Mexico Zia symbol. So okay. being from New Mexico, you know, it's that Indian via symbol of the yep. sun and so that was like the basis of it i wanted it to have some meaning sure um and so yeah then we went full on into uh 2003 and i mean there's been so many riders that have ridden for the team i know i'm gonna i would forget people if i start mentioning them but like i mean james marshall at, was there at the beginning uh michael blos was there at the beginning eric vallejo um and we were at that point getting some Yamaha support. So when I went and just did it on my own, I did get some support from Yamaha. Again, it wasn't huge, but yeah. Uh, yeah. it was helpful. Obviously, it's an expensive sport. And those were really good years for me. Uh, 2003, four, and, and yeah. part of five, yeah. I was on Yamaha. And yeah, you were you you, were, know, you had some really good rides back then, for sure. You were like a constant no. guy, like uh, racing with factory dudes. Yeah, I I remember um, I was like randomly watching YouTube uh, that you know some races and stuff because you know I mean it's awesome to watch those old races and it popped up like A one I want to say maybe O three or O four and I was like legit battling in the top like five and six and it was like I don't remember that exactly <laughs> uh-huh. you know but yeah, it's yeah. cool to look back and like now I look at guys. And granted, I mean, the sport's evolved a ton. And I think there's a, you know, there's a lot more competition now. And there's just a lot more, like, the top level is is crazy. But, I mean, when I think of, like, a fifth or sixth place guy now, I'm like, oh, like, Zach Osborne or, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. And I'm like, holy, holy shit, I was, like, that level back then. It was cool, you know? And I don't really, you know, I, I just kind of go back to, I didn't give myself fully credit for the things that I accomplished back then. So now I try to reflect on it and be really proud of the stuff I did accomplish. Cause mm-hmm. it, you should be. Yeah. It's, it's hard, man. Looking back now, it's a whole nother level. It's like, it's a whole different world. Like my world is, does not even like, you know, I can't, Do you, I, I can't compare it, yeah. you know, because back then, like one thing that puts it in perspective is, you know, when you have children and you don't want them to get hurt, right? Like my kids out riding for me, it scares me, but now, I don't think about the way I made my mom feel and the way, like, when I, I, I remember breaking my arm in 97 at the first round. Dan, Dan Legere was my mechanic that day. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dano. Dano, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. And I, like, rolled up the windows over the finish line. It was that really muddy L.A. Coliseum. I think Tortelli might have won that night. Yep. Um, and uh, day qualifiers. Drug, it was winning the day qualifier. Drug my foot pegs. My arm came down when I landed and hit my knee brace and I just, I broke it into the letter Z essentially. And I just looked down on it. I just used to look down at injuries like that and just hold it. It didn't, it didn't even phase me psychologically. I could break my arm in half, knock myself out, break my collarbone into four places. I didn't, it didn't scare me. I was just like, okay, that's, I'm just doing the math in my head. Okay. I'm going to be back by nine weeks from now. Okay. Right. And now I think of that mentality and I'm like, how crazy 
is that? Like, yeah. it doesn't even... I think a lot of oh, motocrossers yeah. are like that. A lot of guys are just like, you know, holy shit, you know? Like, just the stuff that you did or the stuff you look back on, you're like, what were we thinking? You know? But, right. yeah, it was just a, a, the way of life, right? I mean, that was it. Um, yeah, but you're like, you're detached from reality in a sense, right? Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. Those are, yeah. Big, those are big things. Like, I mean, even just breaking a bonus, I mean, oh, it's I know. Like for a normal person, that's like a traumatic thing. And for, <laughs> for us, we're like, okay, I can get surgery by Tuesday. Yeah. I can be you know, lifting weights in three weeks. Yeah, yeah. No, for sure, right? Um, O2, I think it was O2, I was working for Nick Way, Triple X, mm-hmm. and I think I was driving through... Did you live in Albuquerque or Phoenix then? I don't know. I lived in Albuquerque. I hit you up. I hit you up out of the blue when I was driving through Albuquerque, and I remember you were like, "Hey, I'm going to a a, an Incubus concert, or or I want to go to let's go." And I I stopped, and we went to an Incubus concert that night. Do you remember that? I I do remember that. And somebody, I think you mentioned that in a show not too long ago, and someone someone mentioned that to me. Yeah, just randomly, like I was driving through Albuquerque. Clark, what are you doing? Nothing. Uh, I'm going to stop. want to grab dinner. Uh, I'm going to go Incubus. Okay, so will I, or something like that. Well, right on. Well, at least we yeah. I chose a decent concert. I know. I forget where we, where we went. Some arena in Albuquerque. It was uh, yeah, it was so random. Kingly. Yeah. Kingly Coliseum, I'm sure. Yeah, it was so random. And then I got and I slept over at your place, got up in the morning, kept driving wherever I was. Oh, yeah, it's funny. Um, right, but those are the cool Those are the cool things about, yeah. like, the, the lifestyle is just all the people you meet and share random experiences with along the way. I mean, yep. how many times have you couch surfed, right? Like, oh, yeah. You know, no. Uh, I mean, myself and Jason Fernet, we we have some stories. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yep. Oh, Fernet, man. Oh, you, were, you know, you remember Jason, so. Oh, yeah. Yeah, like those early days. I can't remember who. Uh, shoot, I think it, like I was listening to that uh some podcast not too long ago with Kerry Hart and he was talking about like Eric Anderson and Jeff Tilton and yeah. those guys, those guys, like I was eating peanut butter and jelly and sleeping in my truck. And they're like, dude, you cannot you just come stay in our hotel. And they would, we got to go to Outback. Come on. They're like buying. I mean, they're basically like sponsoring me. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, And uh, they, they'd fly Todd Brown out occasionally to work for him because he was working for a West coast rider. So when the series was on the East, they'd fly him out. But then, you know, a lot of times, like, they wouldn't make the night show or they wouldn't make the main. So Todd would work for me. So I remember, like, he worked – Todd Brown worked for me at Charlotte one year. And, you know, I think I have top 10 or something. And it was like, holy shit, I've got, like, a legit mechanic. Yeah, yeah. You're I like, mean, oh. I'm, I'm literally doing my own work on my bike. Yeah. Yeah, I remember oh, – yeah. Anderson always wore JT gear. Tilton, mm-hmm. full tilt from San Diego. Hart, yeah. Okay. Hart, Hart in Minneapolis, when he made his main event, I remember he, he was pitted by us. I was working for Birdwell, Ty Birdwell, and then Fernet was right by us. And then Hart was like, I got to call my dad. I just made the main event. And I'm like, here's a phone card. And there was a payphone in the pits, and he grabbed my phone card. Like, remember, you had to punch in like 1,800 numbers before you could actually make yep. the call. Uh, good times, though, for sure. Um, Hell yeah. So you switched. Are you like everybody else, like in 06, when you switched to a 450 Honda? You're like every other privateer. You're like, I can't beat these things. Because that was there was so many Honda 450s, Clark. That was insane. So I actually did it before then. So I got partway through the uh, 2005 series, and I just got so frustrated. Yeah. Um, I before Dallas, I, I don't know what round that was. Mm-hmm. It was like maybe halfway through. I was I sold my Yamaha <laughs> and I bought a, a, a 450 Honda, and yeah. I got I think I got ninth. I went from like 16th, 17th place 
yeah the top in the first the first time i ever rode the thing yeah yeah crazy right and they it, were so good yeah and i remember you know it's weird the like little tiny things that are so insignificant but you remember them so vividly mm -hmm. i remember on the parade lap of that race i had not done there was a um the first turn right out of the first turn there was like a step on to a table there was another table and most guys would you know or the the elite guys would go table to table table over single uh -huh. but it was there was no lip on it it was like your bike had to be spot on and you had to you had to be really good to do it um but i remember on the parade lap i rolled around the inside of the corner and i saw like right next to the tough block there was like a built-up thing that someone had had made right probably brooks he used to do that all the time <laughs> yeah and so I hit that thing every single lap and I went on table on yep. off and yep. I passed a guy a lap there ah. and got nine. But like, I remember that so vividly just that one moment, but, um, sure. but yeah, the 450 Honda was awesome. Um, I just, like I said, I just bought it on my own at that point. And then I did get Honda support from there on out. Yep. Um, and Oh six was, I think Oh six, Oh seven were like my really good years. I mean, I think those were my best years. Oh six, you're ninth uh, overall in 450 supercross. Like you said, that's way legit. Yeah. Way good. Yeah. So, yeah. and, and, uh, I struggled, a, I struggled still a little bit. I think, I mean, I don't think I ever hit what I was, I mean, I think everybody should probably say that in retrospect, right? Like I don't really think I hit, I had moments where I was performing at my best, but I, I just, I, I was focused with the team too much on other people. Um, uh -huh. I would have, I had the opportunity at one point to like Chuck Schultz offered me a deal, but I didn't trust it. You uh, know what I probably mean? Probably so good like, idea. Totally. Probably good idea. Yeah. And, and, and I kind of learned my lesson in like 2000 that, you know, I mean, a lot of them are smoke and mirrors. So, and that, that kind of comes back to why I'm just, I'm super upfront with people with what I can provide. Like, I'm not going to say I can, you know, I mean, a lot got, you know, I, and rightfully so riders deserve to get paid. Mechanics deserve to get paid. Like, but if there's not the budget to do that, I mean, the best thing you can do is just be honest, not lead people along. Yeah. A no, a no is every bit as good as a yes to me. When I ask people for something, if they can do it, then hopefully they actually do it. But if they tell me they can't, I'm just as happy about that. Then yeah. I worry about it. hundred percent. So. Yeah. You're absolutely right. Yep. So, but yeah, so, I mean, 06, 07, 08. When do you get a semi? When do you get a semi? When did I get a semi? I think I got a semi in 06. So how was that? How'd you get that? You just went to the bank and leased it? Or how, how'd that go for you? I mean, that's a huge deal. No, no. So, um, honestly, uh, Rockwell has always been uh, Rich Eggett. I don't know if you know Rich. Yep, I know Rich a little bit. Um, so Rich has always been uh, a really good friend of mine and really supportive of the race team and everything I've tried to do to this day still. Um, so he had the semi. It was his semi. Ah, okay. So basically that was, you know, Rockwell's contribution. Mm -hmm. and, and back then it wasn't Rockwell, though. It was um, a whole different litany of things. Like it was Kingdom crown clothing at one point it was a shoe company at one point it was <laughs> it was bike sellers do you remember bike yeah sellers? i like remember bike sellers yeah, yeah yeah right that was his uh his deal too so at, at one point i did buy the tractor but it was still his trailer okay like i, I bought a new tractor maybe going into 07 
So, so it, it was more difficult because obviously the logistics of putting a semi on the road are, are tough. Um, they honestly handled back then. I think I handled everything as far as like, you know, the DOT numbers and the trip permits and fuel tax and all that. But, um, he's always been very helpful with, with that side of it too. So how many uh, issues did you have with truck drivers over the years? Oh, quite a few. <laughs> I mean, but yeah, I had uh, some of the truck drivers though that we've had are like some of the greatest people too. Um, so, I mean, Rick Williams drove for me, um, back in, gosh, I want to say like, Oh six, Oh seven, somewhere in there. He went on to Graves Yamaha. And he's a super good guy and was a super loyal, trustworthy guy. Um, Jed Mingo was my original transport driver. And he actually passed away in a plane crash, a uh, private plane crash, uh, during the season one year. Oh, when we wow. Were. I don't remember that. Yeah, it was uh, it was crazy. and um, But, yeah, truck drivers are a different breed, for <laughs> sure. I mean, I deal with truck drivers every day on my job. So yeah, yeah, I, I guess. Just, sure, I mean, yeah. And I am, and I have my CDL, so, you know, I, you, we can smell our own, I guess. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. No, I just I just know that a lot of private teams have a, have issues with truck drivers. It's just, it's a standard deal. Uh, either they don't really know, you know, either they think the job is just driving the truck, which it's so much more, or they are weirdos, or just God knows, you know, so that's yeah, why I I've asked. been really, I've been fortunate. I, yep. I have Barry Stoltz drove for me, too, who's now Yamaha factory truck driver right oh, okay so, um but i mean honestly if i could just touch on one thing real quick and that of all the things in the sport that that i personally accomplished those are cool but the best part about it for me has been seeing a lot of these guys that started with me grow into these really high-powered roles and and seeing their development so i mean i could go back to like eric gast was my intern Oh, was he really? Um, oh, yeah. At MM, yeah, when oh, he was at MMI. That. Yeah, yeah. Uh, J.R. Boyd worked for Team Solitaire. Yeah, I remember uh, that. For Justin Bucklew. Um, I mean, Kevin Strickwerda, you know, went to PC. Aaron Johnson, um, you know, he, like, early Team Solitaire. Max. Was there. I mean, Max Steffens. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and the list goes on and on. I mean, there's a, there's a lot of guys that have gone on to – really good you know positions and careers and it's not that we had a ton to do with that they were going to do that without us but it was cool that we recognized uh you know that these guys are great guys and and hopefully help them develop a little bit further and then you know are, send them on to the next thing so are you this whole time you're running this are you walking away with money at all um are so you, i mean the years that i was doing well in racing, I tried my very best to keep as much as I could separated and not put my own money in it. Yeah, but, of course. Yeah. I mean, there's no, I mean, really, not really. I mean, <laughs> um, but I was doing okay financially. Uh, the thing that killed me was just the timing of, like, every guy that's ever been divorced. That killed me. Yeah. Um, but that coincided with uh the 2008 economic downturn so i had a non-payment of uh a two hundred thousand dollar deal so yeah uh with with brondo but you know what like if if you could script it 
any better. I mean, it's like race team has non-payment from fictional energy drink, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. how, how could I have not seen that coming, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Made up from fictitious a drink from, uh, uh, what was it, where was it from? Where was it from? Uh, it was from Idiocracy. Idiocracy. Idiocracy, that's it, yes, yes, Mike Judge. Rondo, right. Rondo, the thirst mutilator. I mean, what a great freaking sponsor, though. I mean, it was so cool. The first year, I didn't have any issues, you know, with them. They were awesome. Payments were on time, and then yeah. we, we went. The second year contract was, uh, you know, a quarter million dollar contract, and I got payment one yeah. of it. And here's where, here's where I kind of struggle. I I did everything to to pay every single person that whole year. That was out of my personal money because mm-hmm. I mean we got, and I mean that's what ruined, that's what ruined me financially. And I mean there was still it took me. I think to pay a couple of guys off, like I owed Phil Nicoletti money for like two years and I was paying him like $200 a month. You know what I mean? It was like, <laughs> um, it was tough, man. That yeah. was hard. That it, It's hard because I knew the position they were in, but at the same time, then it was just putting me in that position too. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah, it, it, I remember JT's team didn't get paid by DNA, and then they all got stock from this worthless company. It's like, right. oh, awesome, great, thanks. You know, I mean, it, it's that's part of the deal. Um, so in one way, Ryan, like it's funny because you had, you know, you finished ninth overall in forty Supercross, which is which is way awesome, and you've got all these great results. And in one way, like if you're just on a team, making purse money, contingency, all of that you're making more money and probably less stress in your life. But on the other hand, maybe you're not running the suspension company you want, or maybe you're not able to do it to the bikes, what you want on a, some lower team and you don't do as well. It's uh six on one half dozen on the other. You know what I mean? Well, as I far think, as, yeah, that goes. Yeah. I, I think big picture wise though, it was big. It was bigger than that. It was, if I hadn't done the team solitaire thing, I don't think I'd, be able to function at the level I do in the company that I'm at now. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, it was all the budget stuff. It was the design stuff, learning to build a website, learning illustrator, Photoshop, getting permits with the city and the state sure, and yeah. like all of those things that, I mean, now, I mean, this last month in my, in my job, I mean, I'm processing millions of dollars of pay applications for these huge companies every month. Like I would, there's no way if I was just a dirt bike racer mm-hmm. that I would be able to grasp, you know, the, the budget side. And I've learned so much from working in the, in the field that I do now that I could bring back and apply to the race team that I currently, you know, yep. am, am doing. And, um, it just, it just gives me great perspective. Um, I'm, I, I wouldn't want it to end any other way because I mean, in the end, you know, I really like where I'm at in my life. I mean, I have, an amazing wife that I met, you know, in 2010 when she was, uh, doing PR for, for American Suzuki with oh. Dungey. Oh, cool. And, um, and I mean that, you know, all, I have four kids, you know, two with my first wife and yep. two with my wife now. And, uh, I'm just super pleased with where we're at and that I'm, you know, like I said, I'm able to not just get a job after racing, but start a career. Yeah, dude. And, uh, I, I do a lot of these with guys who are lost, you know, guys who are, wandering around trying to figure out what to do when the music stops, you know, and their injuries rack up and their racing's done. It's not easy, you know, so it's tough. Yeah. It's tough. If you don't have the challenge, I mean, I experienced it too. Like you want that competitive side, but more than anything, you need the community. I think Mm -hmm. the community is what kind of keeps you sane and, 
and I have my, uh, my work friends now and stuff that are, you know, I mean, it's, it's kind of that same feeling. I have the guys that, you know, we feel like on a weekend when we're doing a big shutdown or, uh, you know, closing intersections and building out, you know, all this, these infrastructure, uh, you know, scopes of work, like, or going to war, like it was, you know, yeah, yeah. we've got 48 hours to get this road back open and do all these things. So it's, right. it's cool. It's challenging. And, um, it makes me look back and really appreciate my life though. Uh-huh. Um, I've led, led a very blessed life and, and, relatively injury free. I mean, I'm pretty pain free right now. None of my old injuries really bother me. I had a, quite a few concussions. That's the only thing I worry about, but uh, you know, anybody that, that wore that Axo carbon fiber helmet back in the day <laughs> is probably in the same boat as me. So. That thing was cool though. It was all, it was cool. It looks cool. It yeah. looked cool. I raced uh there was a race in Ohio that Brian Swink was at when he was on uh on uh Troy Honda Troy. Yep. Um and I, I almost beat him in one moto, in the first moto in the 125 class. And he got me with like two laps yeah, left yeah, at yeah. this race. It was the Delta Chicken Festival. Second moto, I was wearing that helmet. I mean, I was wearing it first moto, didn't crash. Wearing it second, second moto, went into the first turn and lost my front end and woke up like five minutes later. Like, didn't even crash hard. Just, yeah. it was like, just done. Um, so, where, uh, was, where was the weirdest place you went racing in the off season? What was the... In the off season, I... I went to Argentina. Oh, you did? Um, okay. Yeah, yeah, with, uh, oh, God, with uh, Vallejo and I went down, and then there was a guy from England and a few other people, like, um, Israel was there um, from, you know, he was obviously from South America. Yeah. But we got there, and they picked us up, and uh, they brought us straight to a whorehouse. They're like, <laughs> any, any girl you want, you just choose. Yeah, we got you covered. <laughs> And I'm like, no, no, man, I'm cool. I got a right. girlfriend. And like, I'm not really into that. They're like, no, no, it's cool. We got you, man. Whatever you want. And they, <laughs> no problem. And, yeah. Yeah. And so I'm like, uh, oh, okay. So, you know, I, I picked this girl. I'm like, um, hey, do you mind if we just talk? Is that cool? Yeah. 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 <laughs> but, uh, you know, you don't want to, like, you go these places, you don't want to be disrespectful, but you're like, um, this yeah, is this the- is a lot different than what I'm used to. He, this, but, is how uh, they bo- this is how they bond. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe so. But I went down there. I rode for Yamaha. I went down there, and they had a Honda for me. I brought my suspension and everything. They're like, "Oh yeah, we'll have a brand new Yamaha for you." They uh-huh. had a Honda, like a five year old Honda. <laughs> oh but, uh, man, that's funny. Um, dude, and then you're like, "Oh hey, thanks, awesome, thank you very much." I guess right. That's that's just how you did it, right? You're just like, did you race it? I raced it. Yeah, I almost won the first moto on the dang thing. Like, but. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, they set us up. They, you know, it was one of those races. They they bring you down there to beat you kind of deal. Right, right. But, um, I, I had some great ones in Europe. I mean, I won Athens. Uh, I, I had so many great, fun, memorable experiences all over Europe that I got paid to have. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I made my first million in in, uh, in Greece. Uh, it was Greek drachma. Yeah, yeah. Million Greek drachma. It's like seven grand, but... Um, yeah, I mean, I, yeah. I did well in the German series. I raced in Sweden, Switzerland, yeah. just all over the place. I, I, I think, too, uh, me as a mechanic, I'm like, I, I, got, I traveled all over the place, and I got to see all this cool place, and I got paid for it. You know, not a lot, right. but I got paid for it. It's pretty cool, pretty lucky. For, um, for sure, especially when you look at now and you want to go on a trip with your wife and it yeah. costs you $7,000. Yeah, you know? yeah. Um, who, okay, so you talked about having Canari on your team, and, and God bless Bob, 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 Bob. He's just, the best. He, who was the guy that you maybe didn't sign that you could have or you should have, or was there a guy that you're like, hey, I don't have a spot for you, and he turned out to be pretty damn good, or 
You know, like, is there a guy that you missed on a little bit? Not that I can really remember, okay. honestly. A lot of times with those guys, like, it, you know, with me racing and stuff, they would come to me if, you know, I was kind of like the place you went if you didn't have something, I guess. Mm-hmm. Legi- you know what I mean? That was, like, legit, legit back then. Yeah, yeah. But, um, no, I mean, we did really well with the riders that we had. I mean, uh, we brought, uh, so, do you, I don't know if you remember my mechanic, Jesse Black. Yeah, um, yeah. But Jesse and I started a shop called the Dirt Lab after, I mean, it was during my, my racing still. But in 2009-ish, I want to say 2009, Clement DeSalle called us at the shop and was like, hey, I want to come race uh, race out there. Can you guys help me? And we're like, sure. <laughs> so we brought him to Washougal. Oh, was that? that year? Okay, third. yeah, yeah. Yeah, he got third in the first one. I want to say he maybe qualified in the top three and time qualifying and then got third in the first moto and then i think he crashed out of the second moto but that was really cool um i mean and all the guys lately too like since we've started back up i mean i i really like all the riders that we've had it's mm-hmm. been awesome they're all very different like zach cummins is i mean he's an awesome kid and just uh just honestly declan my eight-year-old just thinks the world of him still like i said and Mitchell Harrison is great. Like I, I really wish we, you know, things would have gone a little bit differently with Mitchell, but, um, mm-hmm. and Robbie Wageman is awesome. Ryan Brees. I mean, he's, he's doing great this year and like, he's just got such a fighting spirit. I, I'm always pulling for that kid. He tries so hard, sometimes too hard, you know, but, uh, I think he's, uh, you know, he's going to surprise some people too. And, and he'll be there hopefully for the long, the long haul. Cool, man. Um, Fun, fun time to talk to you, Ryan. Uh, feel like we could go on longer if we really had to with a lot of stories. <laughs> maybe, yeah, well, that's, that's may, a good thing, right? Maybe, uh, maybe ones that like uh, yeah shouldn't be public either. But yeah, that's enough of that, <laughs> right? Um, yeah. No, nah, it's uh, you and I. We uh, we cross paths a lot. I was working for privateers. You were a privateer. I was working for Yamaha. You were riding Yamaha. So a lot of times uh, I watched you for sure up close uh, from the mechanics area, and uh, and you had a nice career. You did a lot, like you said, like. Sometimes you must look back and be like, just um, uh, a different life, just just a totally different life from what you lead now, you know? And you're like, did I do that? Yeah, I did, I guess. So, um, yeah, it's pretty cool. cool. Super cool. Yeah. Um, I'm definitely appreciative, and I appreciate, the, you know, you thinking of me and, and wanting to talk about it. Yeah, yeah well, really cool. make, make sure you thank Dean Wilson, because he's the one who got me thinking about you and checking your results Dude, and everything. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, Dino is like, it's just, it's really cool, just the, the crop of riders right now, I think. They have personality. I love guys like Dean that just, yeah. he's himself. You know what I mean? Like, that, it was lacking. And I felt like, in a sense, I couldn't, during that time, I don't know, it was like discouraged to be different, right? When I was racing, because, I mean, I'm not like, you know, I mean, I pride myself. I don't want to be like your typical dirt bike. No, rider. you, you were, you were never that stuff. way. Yeah, you were always a, a different dude from a lot of racers. 100%, I agree. Yep. So, but you, no, guys like Dean just make it so much fun. He's just a, super good giving fun guy with a great personality and he kicked ass on a motorcycle so yeah, yep a good com- combination that's the thing you could get guys that you know are fun and outgoing but if they're not in contention then people don't care which kind of sucks yeah which is why i think like you know you watch i don't know if you've seen like that f1 show um what is it drive to survive yeah where yeah. they showcase the personalities of the guys like further down in the field i mean yep like I, i'm hoping we could you know take a playbook from that or a page from that playbook and 
and really uh, go a little bit deeper because, I mean, that will just help everybody, you know. Yeah, I agree. Help everybody in the, in the sport to actually monetize it a little better than what we do right now. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I 100% agree. It's And it's, uh, for me, as a guy in the media, those are the guys like Dino and Roxon and these guys that I'm like, yeah, you know, I, we just had McGrath on, on Monday, and he's just, just a great personality, a great guy, you know, like that's what we need. You know, oh, so for sure. um, what we got guys now, we got some of our top guys who just run from the media. You know, they just don't want to do it. And I get it. Not everybody is Ryan Clark or Jeremy McGrath. But, man, it's kind of kind of a little bit of your job, I think, anyway. So, yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's your that's what you do for yep. your your sponsor, your, your brand. You know, partners. Right. In it. And, yeah. and so that's how they keep coming, coming, keep them coming back the following year for you work hard for them and they work hard for you. So. For sure. Uh, well, thanks for thanks for doing this. Fly Racing Racer X podcast with Ryan Clark brought to you by Maxis and Renthal. Thanks, Ryan. I really appreciate it. I'm sure I'll see you when the racing gets start back up. But uh, you've got a big history with Racer X, and that's where this podcast is going. And uh, and uh, and fly. So that's it's, it's a nice tie in there. Thanks for the time, man. Yeah, cool. And if I could just uh, throw out our sure. handle, just Team sure. Solit Team Solitaire SX on uh, Instagram to kind of follow the progress of the team and the riders. And I know it's uh, the Fly podcast, but I got to mention our apparel brand, Liat. Just so that uh, they don't, I don't get in trouble, right? So, <laughs> no, nah, it's done fine. A great, done, a, done a great job for us, and along with all the, the team partners, uh, Nuclear Blast and Ravencrest Tactical, we have a knife company that sponsors us now, so we're trying to change it up. So. <laughs> nice. Good to hear. Uh, thanks for the time, man, and uh, congratulations on a good career, and I'm glad you're doing well. Sounds awesome. So thanks, Ryan. All right. Appreciate it. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Fly Racing Steve Mathis Show. Don't forget to check out some of our past shows, including motocross legends such as... The Bad Boy, Rick Johnson. I looked down and my hand was junk. I mean, yeah. it was sitting over to the side. The tendons were jerking in weird places. And my biggest disappointment with Danny Storbeck is that he never said sorry. Danny and I were friends, and we've never talked since. Brian Lunas. Before the 500 event, Dave and I fly to Germany, go down to Stuttgart, there's this little shop out the back of the mall factory. We get our cylinders, take them back, and, you know, off we go. And, you know, we ran Nicosil Cylinders as a factory part for a handful of years before anybody ever saw it in production. Dave Arnold. And Magoo was all, you know how he did the big pancake thing? Right. And, right. and he's got the thing, he's completely laying on the gas tank trying to miss his tree. I mean, he would have gone even harder, jump farther if that tree hadn't have been, you know, yeah. if, if it hadn't have been there. The Hurricane Bob Hanna. I love the guy. I don't dislike. I think yeah. he's the greatest competitor this sport ever had. That absolutely 100% in my mind. I firmly believe that statement I said about these modern day guys in Switzerland or Holland or Belgium on 45 minutes on the same bike. You're not beating Roger. Are you crazy? Right. They're not doing it. If they think they're so much better nowadays than they were in those days. They're fools. They're different bikes, different times. The Beast from the East, Damon Bradshaw. It got to the point where I didn't want to leave home, and once I got to the race, I wasn't into it. If I wasn't going to give 100%, I'm not going to take their money. The Working Class Hero, Doug Henry. It was definitely an emotional moment for me, just thinking to myself, that's it, you know, and it's, it's amazing the stuff that goes through your head in a short amount of time of the things that, you know, that I was going to miss. The daughter, Ron Machine. Until you really open your ears and you want to listen to what they're saying, it's like beating a dead horse. I mean, you know, and I know from personal experience, did anybody ever sit me down? Of course they did. Everybody did. 
Grow circuits, Mitch Payton. There's two ways to make the money. One is you can sign for money, or two, you can earn the money. I'm a high believer in earning the money. I think they ride better when they earn the money. Seven-time Jeremy McGrath. I was so mad, like so disappointed and so frustrated that I pulled the pick and I left. Every point counts. I could kick myself to this day for not just riding around in tents. Been no problem. My, my ego got in the way, you know? The O Show, Johnny O'Mara. Stuff that you could, you'd sit there if you didn't even want to ride it, you just wanted to just look at it all day. I mean, I got a chance to test all that. I like that era I was in, I really do. Search Pulp MX in the iTunes Store to enjoy these and over 800 great motocross podcasts. As the days and the months and the years go.